Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, March 14th, 2019. It's Pie Day, and I hear Tristan likes pie. Is that true, Tristan? Mm, pie. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite pie? Uh, I'm not a big pie eater. You know, I don't eat a whole lot, but apple oh. pie probably from me. Pecan apple pie, pie. seconded. Yeah, I like I like apple pie, pecan pie, like? pumpkin pie. Any more? You want to name them all? No. Okay, that's that's of course Tristan. He likes pie. I am Eric. We also have with us star researcher Kyle Sapi and awesome producer Daniel D. Dopp. Today's show, lots to discuss. Some interesting spring stats. What's Tristan writing? New rule changes, and later on, of course, vampire league talk and your myriad hash browns. We start as always with the buzz. <laughs> All right, surprisingly not a whole lot of news over the past three days since our last show. We're a Monday-Thursday show, by the way. If you haven't listened to Mondays, go back and do that now. Uh, the Chicago White Sox demoted uh, top prospect Eli Eloy Jimenez. No surprise there, Tristan. We expected that. They don't have to make up reasons either. It makes sense for them to do that, even though everybody complains about it. Um, do you think he'll be up before Vlad Guerrero? That's a reasonable assertion, I think. Hmm, good question. Uh, I don't think he will, but I don't think it's going to be far off. I think we're looking at May 1st, May 15th. May 1st would be Vlad, May 15th being Eloy, if I'm to give a projection date on it. And by the way, based on the ADP numbers, i got to say, there's not a whole lot of a difference, I don't think, between Guerrero and Jimenez. Like, I think Jimenez is going to hit like a monster right away, too. Batting average, power... Um, he looks really great as well. And if people are still taking uh, Vlad, say, in round five or six, it's probably been pushed back a little bit because of his injury. And Eli's going to be pushed back now because of the demotion, probably to around 18 or 20. I-, I just don't see that much of a difference between these two guys. That's just me. I don't want to take too much time on that. But Yeah, I, 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 for the most part, agree with you. I think they're both going to hit right away. And it's a, a good value for Eli. I'd say if there's anything that strikes me about this demotion, I'm a little bit disappointed it didn't come a few days later because I do believe a little in the – players top prospects who get demoted close in closest proximity to opening day generally had shown something to their team so that means some of the prospects left in camp for example chris paddock if we want to get into him in a second uh if he lingers in the padre spring camp until close to opening day i think that's a very big positive sign even if he's ultimately demoted where would you rank paddock if you think he's making the opening day start and sticking around because that guy's got strikeout potential he's striking everybody out in the spring looks great the numbers are there Padres don't have the greatest rotation, and if they think they can contend, and maybe they can, it's a good offense. Where would you rank Paddock? Is he a top 50 starter for you in fantasy? Uh, top 50. He might get in there just because some of the, the names that would have been in there, or at least on the fringe of it, have been dealing with some injury questions that changes my perception of them. I'd probably say 60 is more the line for me. Uh, but he's a little different from the typical prospect in that I feel like his floor is higher than your typical prospect and his ceiling is a little bit lower. Uh, he's got incredible control. I just wrote about this in Tristan's 20, uh, mentioning that it's a little like Shane Bieber, where he reminded me that this guy hits the strike zone, and he's got a great fastball and great changeup, and I think that's going to play right away once he gets promoted. So, I'd say it's, you know, I'll throw the 60 number. I think he could get to the top 50. I think the worst case is he's top 75 if he makes the team. 
See, when you say things like floor and ceiling on guys like that, I remember what we talked about with Aaron Nola. We said, oh, he's never going to be like a number one fantasy starter, and now he's like the number five starter in all the drafts. So when I think of a guy who has good control, good command, can get strikeouts, has the opportunity, it's a great home ballpark, I, I might move Paddock up a little bit more if he makes the team because, to me, I, I don't view it as, well, he's only going to be this good. He could be great, like, right away. And so I'm going to... I'm going to be more on board than I think you are. So we'll see what happens with him. Here, um, to, to yeah. ask you on that, if it was a pitcher who had a little more variable skill set and the range was wider, would you be more apt to draft them based on the higher upside or are you more scared of those players? I think that's that's the contrast of these kinds of prospects. I think he's going to hit his mark. He's going to be closest to the projection. You know, you say upside. I, to me, it's risk-reward. I don't think he'll be bad. And if he is bad, he'll just get demoted. So he won't hurt you. But, but you I want that guy here. more than the upside guy, though. I, I, what does upside mean with Chris Paddock? Why can't he be? Why can't he give you 150 innings and 160 strikeouts right. with I'll, an ERA of 3.10? I'll contrast it this way, and I know the injury question comes into play here. But Alex Reyes, how do you treat Reyes oh, versus on. Paddock? I don't treat Reyes at all because he can't stay healthy. He's one of the guys on my list of do not draft, and the reason why is because he's proven he can't stay healthy. We waited all last season; he threw four innings. To me. I view Paddock more like Bieber and Nola. I think Bieber makes huge strides this year. Nola's obviously an ace. Mm-hmm. And I look at Paddock and I say, okay, nobody in the prospect world thinks he's a number one starter, but why can't he be a number two or three right away? So if he makes that team, and I think he is, I'm all in. Yeah, he looked great yesterday. I watched a little of that game. He looked very good again, and he has every outing so far. I'm with you. I like the Bieber comp, and I like Nola long-term. I think it's an interesting one. And he's being treated as a top 50 overall prospect. He's not being hated by the prospectors. Okay. Um, Other stuff going on. Kyle Seeger, uh, we talked about Monday. We didn't know the extent of his hand injury. It's bad. He's not going to play at all in April and probably not for May as well, some of May. Uh, They will just move Ryan Healy over to third base. You don't really want Ryan Healy. I guess if he's facing a lefty that day, you can use him like that. But doesn't get on base a whole lot. Um, Doesn't hit right-handers so great. Um, not the biggest deal to Seattle. It's not like Kyle Seager had a great year himself. You shouldn't be drafting Kyle Seager at all now in a standard mixed league. It'd be my advice. Yeah, I assume you agree with that. I yeah. I do. The two things I took away from that are J.P. Crawford did get demoted yesterday. Not a surprise yeah. there, but that does lock in Healy. Locking in Healy at third base could open an opportunity for the out of options Daniel Vogelbach. So if you're in the deeper leagues, keep that in mind. Has to be. I, I assume he's going to be in the first base DH mix. I'm not sure what Vogelbach is at this point. We can't really compare him to. We see he's had chances. He's not mm-hmm. like Aguilar. We talked about Christian Walker. I don't think he's like that. What do you think? Is Vogelbach worth it? I mean, obviously in an AL only he has to go, but in a standard mix, he's not interesting to you, is he? No, I'm, I'm not as interested in him anywhere near to the extent it was Aguilar a year ago or maybe even Aguilar two years ago. Uh, I think it's a wide range of outcomes. I don't like the swing and miss in his game. I'm talking about a dart throw in your AL onlys. Malik Smith probably won't travel to Japan for the series that starts next week. Those games do count, by the way, Oakland against Seattle. Mike Fires got lit up yesterday. He'll be the opening day starter for Oakland. Don't read into something that happened in the spring there, although we'll get the spring training stats. But mm-hmm. Malik Smith's being drafted in all leagues, and he should be. Don't panic here. Even if he just misses the first two games, he might not start the season on the disabled list, which will be fine. He's still a 30 stolen base threat. Don't overrate it. Um, Aaron Hicks of your Yankees, back injury, given a cortisone shot. That concerns me. Because, you know, he doesn't play 150 games to start with any year. And they can just move Brett Gardner to center field. Your thoughts yep. on the Yankee outfield? Because I think people are talking about Clint Frazier now when it comes to the Hicks injury. And I'm not sure they should. 
I'm not sure that they should either, but if Gardner's got a shift to center, it does change the complexion of the uh, both the lineup and the outfield. Um, I think they are going to just attempt to throw Stanton and uh, and Judge into the same outfield at the same time and just free up DH, in which case they'll just cycle the guys through. I think Frazier kind of kind of fits in, and he makes the roster, but he's going to have to prove himself. So if you're drafting him like a guy who's going to give you an immediate impact, I think you're overestimating it. I think he falls into the dart throw category. So big news this Thursday morning in the real world of, world of baseball. New rule changes in effect, not only for this year, but for next year. Your thoughts from a fantasy angle here? I'm not going to mention them. You could do that. But anything here that actually affects our game? So reading through these quickly, because it's always fun when the official rules come out right as we're taping, uh, two struck me. One for this year is the change to the trade deadline, which is going to have a bearing on especially those AL and NL only leagues where you have fab and people like to hoard their fab. If the trade deadline now is July 31st and we no longer have those deals afterwards, then people are going to be using up the majority of their fab by the end of July. And you could end up being that person in August who is left at the altar with a whole bunch of fab. Uh, so just be very careful about that. I think it means that, that and Eric, I know you and I are very much in this boat. We believe in aggressively using your fab early in the year and not worrying about those cross-league changers. Uh, there will occasionally be some if they have big, bad contracts dumped through waivers in August. We have to see how that plays out. But I think that there's a, a little bit of an impact from a fab strategy standpoint, and that pertains to the people who have already drafted now hearing this rule. The other one, I'm kind of interested about this roster change, where they're going to have, have teams next year designate a two-way player or a pitcher or a hitter, and there's a little interesting wrinkle in the rule that could pertain to Shohei Otani. Uh, I'm going to have to read a little bit more into this, but from my understanding, you'll have to designate a player at the beginning of the year, and you'll have to earn a qualification like in fantasy in order to be designated a two-way player. Otani, at least from what I'm reading, will not be able to qualify as that. You'll have to be designated as one or the other. So 2020 will be an interesting discussion with him. What do you do with him this year? He was on my list of do not draft, which comes out tomorrow. I just don't see him getting enough at bats to make it worth the while for fantasy managers to wait at least a month. He's not playing in April. He's not pitching at all this year. Now you see him showing up on our pitcher rankings. Obviously, that's because he's eligible at pitcher and at utility. So this is a utility-only player that we're hoping... Like, for what? I mean, he's not Nelson Cruz, I don't think. I think I don't think he'll get the at-bats. Um, you know, Jimmy Ann Choi is, I think, uh, utility only. Like, where where do we think Otani... How many at-bats do we think Otani's really going to get? Uh, I mean, yeah, I always think at-bats versus PAs. I go to the PAs. I think we're Either looking one. at... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're looking at a number that starts with three, a three-digit number starting with three, 300 yeah. to 400. Um, the the eight relevant, and one of them might not be, DH-only DH guys are Chris Davis, Nelson Cruz, Otani, Kendrys Morales, Mark Trumbo, Yandy Diaz, G-Man Choi, as you mentioned, and Evan Gaddis, who might not be relevant at all. I feel like Otani doesn't make the case to push ahead of Davis or Cruz or be anywhere near that, and I'm with you. I'm probably not drafting him. I think that, that injury optimism reigns supreme at this time of year. We, we, and maybe that's just a projections thing. I mean, I'm resp- as responsible as anybody for this, but I'm, I'm fading the guys with injury questions. With the exception of Corey Seager, who I just fe- personally feel good about as a gut instinct, I'm not really drafting the guys with injury questions. Plus, the Angels have shown no propensity to want to sit Albert Pujols, even though his massive contract is a sunk cost at this point. So why would we think they're going to sit him ever? I don't. I think he's getting you know 600 plate appearances. And Justin Bohr, if he stays healthy, is their first baseman. And, and, and rocks against right-handed pitching. What they really need is a platoon guy for him, like a Jeffrey Marte type. But anyway, I'm fading on Otani as well. Briefly on spring stats here, just want to mention some guys. 
you tell me, relevant or not relevant, because some of these guys are in spring battles that could affect other fantasy options. Mm-hmm. The leader right now in batting average is Ryan McMahon of the Rockies. Does that matter? Will they play him over Hampson at second base? Um, I haven't actually gotten Hampson's updated one, so let's call them up. He's also at a decent spring line, I'd say, so I don't think that, that that's clearly McMahon's job. I think both of them are performing quite well in the battle. But it matters. Um the stats themselves don't matter. It's what they mean to the manager in terms of making the decisions about the roster. And when I look at these two, I don't think we have enough clarity. Briefly, Hunter Pence of the Rangers, and we would say we don't want him in fantasy. But if he makes the team, that affects Willie Calhoun. Pence has three home runs and four out of four on stolen bases and batting 400. He's going to make the Rangers, isn't he? He is. Uh, you and I discussed this watching a Rangers game when we were in the Cactus League that I feel it's Pence versus Calhoun straight up here. And if Pence looks healthy and hits, and he has, he's making the team. Uh, he did work specifically this offseason with uh, the, the hitting guru who worked with Justin Turner, Doug Latta. Uh, and that's paid dividends in spring numbers so far. Victor Robles, uh, five out of six on steals, three fifty seven batting average. But we keep hearing a lot of Michael A. Taylor, too. <laughs> and I'm wondering now if Robles is in danger of playing time because I have him as a top 100 guy or if Taylor kind of fits in as a platoon guy for Adam Eaton in right field. Your thoughts? Uh, I think they might mix and match a little bit. I think if they're going to kind of platoon Taylor a little bit more than you'd expect, you know, treat it as more than just playing against the lefties, then I think they probably would send Robles down. I, I honestly can't see the path to that. I think Robles has been too good. Taylor's been good as well, but I feel like he's a fourth outfielder type. Just maybe used more than the usual. Maybe he gets 300 PAs. Pete Alonso of the Mets slugging 743 this spring with power. Looks fine defensively. Yet Dominic Smith is still there. They're not going to platoon these guys. Alonso to me either hits 25 home runs and 500 PAs or he gets demoted next week. Your thoughts? <laughs> and I think he's probably going to get demoted next week. Uh, I mean, the shame of it is, you know, that'll be another thing kind of polished up with these rules over the years is what happens to these prospects where you manipulate service time. If Dom Smith is hitting all right, I think they're going to try to to squeeze him onto the roster and at least let him him play out the beginning of the year kind of like adrian gonzalez last year they just started with a, eh, a less interesting player nobody has more home runs this spring than miami outfielder lewis brinson five home runs five rbi one out of three on stolen bases good batting average he'll make the team but he's a popular like late sleeper for many even though his plate discipline is horrific what do you think? Yeah, it, it, it is horrific. And as a matter of fact, his uh, K rate so far this spring is 29%. So not a lot of improvement there. So, yeah, he's got the home runs, but not much in the way of doubles. The power isn't extraordinarily great. He could be a little, you know, I mean, we don't have homer to fly ball numbers. He could be lucky in that. I, I'm I'm interested, but I, I mean, that's coming from a point where he wasn't draftable at all in mixed leagues. I mean, he wasn't on your radar at all coming into spring training, was he? Not really. I think he's going to bat about 220, and he's not going to be out Alberto Mondesi, uh, you know, in the other stats. So, to me, Brinson's a guy I'm pretty, pretty much avoiding. Um, let me get some other names in here. Um, third base for the Pirates, Jung Gong is back. He has four home runs all solo this spring. And Colin Moran really doesn't have much power. I could see Gong hitting at least 20 home runs, which would be helpful deep in a deep league or in an only. Yeah, and, and the Gong story that's uh, most interesting to me is... Does he play third, or do they try and sneak him in a little at shortstop? I think if he factors at third base, 
I just don't see a path to at bats. I think that's an NL only guy, kind of a late rounder, a couple dollar bid. I, I, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I just, I, if they're going to mix him into to the shortstop uh, equation, then maybe I'd, I'd be more optimistic. Uh, the Royals outfield, Jorge Soler with four home runs, slugging 700 this spring, could be the everyday DH. Pounded lefties last year, but he, he looks better in at bats against righties that I've seen this spring. It might mean nothing. Could Soler be a sleeper, 25 homer guy? Yeah, I, I think he has that natural power in his bat. The problem I have with Soler is, yes, granted, 24% K rate uh, during spring training. That's not disastrous by any means. He's still swinging aggressively. That has not changed at all. So I think this is more about health. But he's an interesting guy. I, I definitely would look at him in, as a final rounder in mixed leagues. On the pitching side, nobody has more strikeouts this spring than the Padres' Chris Paddock, who we mentioned. But second is Jack Flaherty. And there was an article that I saw the other day about how Flaherty, a little underrated. People think he could be a dark horse Cy Young candidate. Um, should we move him up in our rankings? It's a good spring. He looks good. And he was good as a rookie as well. So where are we on Flaherty? Should we be ranking him as a top 15, top 20 starting pitcher? Um, well, he is top 20 for me right now. Uh, so I feel like I've already baked in enough optimism. You know I love Flaherty. I have for a long time. This guy's slider is amazing. It's much more amazing than anyone even gives credit for. That one pitch alone can drive the strikeout total, and we've seen it, especially in that game, Eric, you saw it, against the Phillies where he had seven Ks in a row. He can miss bats. The problem I have with Flaherty, why I can't push him ahead of 20th, is that I question how many innings he gets. Does he get the innings to be a Cy Young guy? I'm not sure he's there yet. Colorado's John Gray. Every year, people fall for this guy, even though his road numbers are worse than his home. But in spring training, four starts, 14 strikeouts, one walk. Are you buying on John Gray? I I am, but I was when spring opened. What's backing it up here for me is that the command numbers are very good in spring training, and he's a guy who pitches in the ballpark that gets firm velocity readings. They have been unchanged. He's pouring 95, 96 mile per hour heat into the strike zone during spring games. Nothing's changed. Looks like he's already pitching at a mid-season form. So, yeah, I'm in. Toronto's Marcus Stroman having a similar spring to Gray, not walking anybody, not allowing hits. Pretty overrated to me, Marcus Stroman, but he's the opening day starter for Toronto. Healthy now. High whiffs most of his career. Your thoughts on Stroman? Is this the year he ma- He's 20, 28 now. Is this the year he makes that uh, pilgrimage to top 40 standing starting pitchers or no? Um, I, I think to get to the top 40 is tough in today's strikeout happy environment. But I like what I've seen from him. Uh, granted, it's a little bit. I've only seen one of his outings during spring training. Uh this is the thing with Stroman. The analysts hate him, so nobody's drafting him. We're not. You and I, we're we're never going to like Marcus Stroman. He doesn't miss bats. He gets grounders, relies on the defense. But I think that the casual baseball fan likes him a little too much. I think we need to meet somewhere in between. I'm I'm growing to to be a, a Stroman drafter maybe at the top 60, top 70 tier. All right, maybe we'll do this again on Monday. Briefly on the Vampire Draft, uh, you and I, I were each in one of these drafts on Monday. I had fun drafting Darren Ruff and Archimedes Gamboa and players who I couldn't keep. And now we're both adding players that we do want for the season. For those who haven't listened, um, we get the free agents and everybody else already has their team. Anything stick out to you from the draft on Monday? Who had the best draft in your league? Do you think we can compete? Your thoughts? I did not pick a team that I thought drafted best, to be honest with you. I, I think we put too much stock in that. 
just to be to be frank, what I looked at was the guys who snuck through that I was a little bit surprised. We mentioned Starlin Castro on the show the other day. I'm yeah. in the points based scoring league. I'm very surprised that a, a full time player hitting in the a prime lineup spot like Starlin Castro snuck through my draft. I'm a little bit surprised that Garrett Hampson, we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, snuck through my draft. I'm a little bit surprised that a points league monster like Ben Zobrist made it through in my draft. How about you? Right, and your league's different. Yours is points league and mine is straight roto. So we're looking for different things on free agency. Like, you just want playing time. You don't care about stolen bases. Um, you know, I, I, I need stolen bases. I need power. I need some saves. We're both going to get Sergio Romo because we think he's the Marlins closer. Um, I saw some good starting pitching sleepers that I liked. A couple guys in the Royals, their opening day starter, Keller, Brad Keller, Sluck, mm-hmm. snuck by, um, Jake Junis, who you know I like, Mike Fires, who I will add as well. Offensively, lots of first basemen that I can choose from to get my first, my corner, my utility. Um, not a lot of stolen base guys that do other things. I might be punting that. Now, what I'm trying to do is just win each week, right? 6-4, right. Right. Five, 5 whatever, something like that. And that's going to be tough. I think you have an easier ride in the points league trying to do that. Um, but we'll add the players, and the season starts next week, and we'll see what happens. I know Tom, the intern in my league, was projected well in the standings, which doesn't really matter in a head-to-head, because all you need to do is win the week, 6-4, 7-3. You don't have to win every category. If it was a roto full season, it would be a little bit different there. But I thought it was a well-done draft. Uh, Vlad fell to 58 in my draft. Lindor fell to 19, which I thought was crazy. Um, I would have taken him 10 or 11. Um, Walker Bueller in my draft went ahead of Granky Severino, Paxton. Uh, what happened in your league? Uh, Kershaw and Wheeler were separated by two picks. Zach Wheeler just got traded in one of my leagues. Yeah. Uh, it's a salary league, but he got traded for Paul DeYoung. And I was wondering, like, why would that happen? The guy didn't need a shortstop. But, man, I was like, is something wrong with Wheeler? Are you buying a Wheeler? Like, making 30 starts? Or is there some concern there? I didn't see any news re- recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of optimistic about Wheeler. I, I feel like he's he's sort of in that that Luis Castillo buzz bandwagon and that that general value tier a year ago at this time. And I feel like a lot of times we tend to overrate those pitchers because remember. That tier was filled with uh, more durable options, guys who threw more innings, who are a little bit more reliable. And nowadays, putting him in that ranking spot around 25th, 30th among starting pitcher, like the 25th to 30th starting pitcher is just not as valuable today as they were as as he was five years ago. So I'm trying to be realistic with him. I like the guy. I I was curious about that trade because I'm I'm pro DeYoung. I like Paul DeYoung a lot. In a points league, I kind of question it a little bit though. That deal. I Yeah, interesting deal to make there. But obviously with salary things and a keeper league, things happen that may not make sense. I, it's an interesting trade. All right. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, listeners to this fine show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. Because ZipRecruiter 
the smartest way to hire. All righty. Getting ready for the season, Kyle. I'm sure there are lots of hash browns in there. Pie questions, maybe. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> we asked the one big pie question. Apple, I think, is it's tier one. That's Mike Trout of the pie family, but who am I here? <laughs> you know, I think Apple's overrated. Wow. Is it the Shawshank Redemption of the... Yes. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yes, it is. Oh. I'm going there. I don't know what the hotter... I'm going to put out a poll. Which See, is more, Tristan gets which, it now. He which understands. Which one is yes. more overrated? I, I am throwing myself under the bus today. Oh. I, I love apple pie, but it is a little overrated. What do you think the public's going to say? Which is more overrated, Shawshank or apple pie? Or Julio I, Jones. Or who, <laughs> Fine, Julio Jones. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, so keep an eye out for that. That will be a topic next time. Jonesy has a question here for you. He wants to know what the departure of Bryce Harper means for Juan Soto in 2019 and moving forward. Not sure I buy a connection there. Soto is great. I think he's going to hit 25. I don't know if he's a, a 35 to 40 home run guy ever, but I think he hits for average. I think he hits 25 home runs. He's not a stolen base guy. <sighs> Better version and then Michael Brantley, healthier, better version. Like, I'm thinking, like, 20 to 25 home runs. He'll knock in runs batting where he's batting. He should be batting fourth or fifth. And he should hit for average. Right? Yeah. I I mean, I look at the question wording-wise, and I I mean, my reply is nothing. I I think Harper has nothing to do with Soto whatsoever. I mean, yeah. you want to you wanna talk about the impact on the offense? I think we all were projecting as if Harper was gone. The guy's awesome. The thing I love about him is that I play in so many of the leagues that reward for walks and on base percentage, and Soto's amazing in those. I actually think in those leagues, he's getting a little bit underdrafted, and we're still looking at a guy being drafted consistently either at the end of the third or in the fourth round. And we should know you and I are both participating in Tout Wars this weekend in New York City. Tout Wars, great organization. The two uh, acknowledged big uh, leagues are Tout Wars and, of course, Labor. We did Labor in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tout, the big change for us is on-base percentage instead of batting average, yep. right? And yes. I'm in the mixed league on Saturday. You're in NL only on Sunday. Any brief thoughts on changes there, what Tout's all about? Um, so to try and make it brief, let's throw, them, throw in that AJ Mass is also participating in the head-to-head That's points right. league. So we'll have full representation in the different formats. I, I've always been interested in your league, Eric, the 15-team auction mix league, just because in that league I've seen historically people aggressively buy the star caliber players, and I endorse that strategy. I think stars and scrubs works a lot better in your format than it does in mine, which is the traditional NL-only 12-team. Uh, the wrinkle in mine is that anybody you buy to your roster, you can reserve right away. So I'm not locked into taking pitchers who have some downside and being forced to keep them in, like in labor. Neat little tweak there. So I can buy Mike Trout for $50 and nobody will laugh at me. Oh, he will, without question, go for more than $50. I'd be shocked if he was 50. So in the past, what has the line been? I think he hit 60 last year. I'll I'll get the numbers while we're talking. Oh, we don't have to do that now. What do we got next, Kyle? We've got Matt. He wants to know if there's anything to read into Winker batting leadoff this spring, if if that helps his sleeper candidacy for 2019. I kind of assumed all along that he was going to lead off. He's a he's a walker with, I think, enough power. I think he could hit 18 to 20 home runs. So I'm not surprised at all. Obviously, one of the things we should be looking at at this point are if a manager keeps using the same lineup over and over in mid-March, that generally means 
he wants to do that when the season starts. And to me, Cincinnati's lineup looks like Winker, Votto, Suarez, Scooter, Puig, five. Mm-hmm. Shevler in center field batting six. That's a good lineup. Peraza, the stolen base guy after that, and then the catcher. I-, I like that. I've been looking at Philadelphia. I think Andrew McCutcheon will lead off. I think Cesar Hernandez is today. But whoever leads off has a lot more value. If McCutcheon bats fifth or sixth, he won't bat as much. Probably won't run as much. So McCutcheon, Segura's locked. I think they're locked in the Segura two, Harper three, um, Hoskins four, and uh, the catcher, Real Mutu, five. So, and then Franco would be six if McCutcheon let off. That's a big deal. Um, yeah. Any other lineups? Like, Winker to me, if he plays every day. Now, he might platoon with Matt Kemp. Winker hasn't proven that he can hit left-handed pitching yet. So they could bat Matt Kemp for him. But Winker leading off means a lot of runs, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Winker did homer off Madison Bumgarner that uh, one game we saw. Yes, he did. Right? Yeah. And uh, I I do think that there's some platoon worry there, but the problem is that who fits better as an everyday leadoff man for the Reds than Jesse Winker? It's one of the things I like about him so much. So I'm not surprised, but I'm very happy to see that the Reds are doing it. They're doing the wise thing and batting him leadoff, and they should not be taking him out against lefties. They might, but that's one of the things I like most about him. Boston Red Sox lineup. They are batting Raphael Devers third, and they're doing it against either side. Very surprised. I, I, I love that Devers, who probably batted seventh most of the time last year, has been batting third. They're going to go Benintendi one, yep. uh, which I love. I know you're not a big fan, but I, I love like it. it. I do like that. Bets two, Devers three, J.D. Martinez four. I mean, to bat Devers third instead of like Martinez or Xander Bogart, that's a big deal. Moreland batted third a lot last year. They obviously want to split the right-handers. Mm-hmm. I think Devers makes huge strides. He's one of my big sleepers. I've been moving him up in my rankings. That's a big deal for lineups. Any other lineups? I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. Atlanta's going to bat Acuna fourth and lead yeah. off with Ender Inciarte, yeah. um, which I think might restrict how many bases Acuna tries to steal. It should he, he could go. It shouldn't, but I think it would. Most managers, to some degree, restrict stolen base, I think, opportunities for guys who bat fourth, fifth in the order. But Acuna could be like a 35 home or 110 RBI guy there, too. Right, which right. would be awesome. The upside's great yeah. in either category anyway. I think he's going to maximize his value one way or the other. I actually uh, took Eric Hosmer in a league recently, and I thought, you know what? If he actually bats second ahead of Manny Machado, that's pretty good. Like, he'll see different pitches. He, he's capable of batting 300 with more than 20 home runs. Mm-hmm. I think there might be some sleeper potential if he's still there in your 15th round. I actually think uh-huh. the Padres and the Reds lineups are a little bit underrated. So those the way they shake out is very important. And to the Padres one, the front mill Reyes situation. If he does oh, land yeah. that everyday job, there is a very real chance he could be the cleanup man in there. I think the Padres are going to play Will Myers in center field and sit Margot. I think they don't feel that they can sit either Franmo Reyes or Hunter Renfro, and Franchi Cadero isn't really ready. So mm-hmm. I think Margot sits and they stick Will Myers in center field, which is not going to be good for Chris Paddock or the pitchers, but mm-hmm. you know he could fake it. Margot could come in in relief as a defensive option. So keep an eye on the uh, lineups. We'll be talking more about that on Monday's show. And in um, the meantime, for you, up- your, uh, your Trout updates are 56 in the mixed auction league last year, and he was 53 wow, AL. a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, an per- in an on-base percentage league, he does get a bump. Tristan, how much I do you hate to- our advertisers? Can I just ask that question right now? I have to read this, Tristan. So, oh, yeah. Quiet, Tristan. <laughs> Sorry. Just ignore me like normal for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. 
SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code FFB today. That's promo code FFB, Frank Frank Barney, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And Kyle has the hash browns. Sure, do. Touching on Devers from the question before, he had 10 at-bats, three hits from the three-hole last year, two homers. So obviously, you extend that forward. He Two-thirds of his hits are going to be homers from there this year. That's simple yeah, math. I think that's what that means. No, it's, it's quite obvious. <laughs> I think that's what that means. Man. You can say it anyway, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to say it. Man on Twitter was asking, is punting steals a viable strategy in a 5 by 5 head-to-head league? Eric, you mentioned it for the Vampire League potentially being an option. I'm not going to try to do it. I want to get some steals, so I'll probably like add the line of the shields. Uh, I don't know if Hampson was available in that league. I, I, I have to look again. I never go into a draft saying I'm going to punt something. You, when, is, when do you start thinking about punting a category, Tristan? Not till May, generally. In April, I still try. Maybe I'll trade for it. Maybe I'll pick up a guy and see what he does. You know, Sergio Romo, he could get 30 saves or zero. So, you know, I may end up punting saves in that league. I don't like punting, though. You can win with that, with doing it, but it's not recommended. I, I don't like it either. I've done it. Uh, I did it and tout. I punted batting average, but man, it, it's a heck of a lot of work. And you have to have a firmly polished strategy. The best advice I can give somebody is that if it is an auction league, or if it's not and it's a draft league running through an auction calculator, get rid of the category. Don't run numbers with that category even included. It's going to direct you in other ways to get the right players for your punting strategy. But I agree, Eric. It's a dangerous thing to do, especially for steals. All right. Speaking of categories that are difficult to work with, Timothy's changing his league from saves to saves plus holds, and he wants to know how that impacts the value of the top closers on the board, and does it solidify your don't-pay-for-saves draft philosophy? Well, I have a league that saves plus holds, and I can tell you I rarely take closers there. Obviously, there's more saves than holds because in every in every game with a save, there doesn't have to be a hold. I mean, I guess it works both ways. But it seems to me you rarely get guys with more than 25 holds, right? I mean, last year, I'm trying to think, David Robertson, um, who were the top holders? I can't even find. I've got it for you. on our site. Uh, there's very few places where you can even find holds, which is kind of ridiculous in the first place um top holds guys last year were 34 for adam Ottavino and archie bradley 32 nice. for jose alvarado yosa yosha he's ah, yosha and tony watson yeah so we often see lefties that don't do much else getting a lot of holds because they're not used for a whole inning um i think archie bradley closes for arizona but your thoughts here obviously the holds leaders don't match the saves leaders Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's easier to find holds on free agency than it even saves. So to me, if I'm getting three guys to get saves and holds together, chances are pretty good that two, at least two of the three are going to be middle relievers who I think are going to get a lot of holds. 
the holds are more evenly distributed, but the top guys typically don't challenge for saves. But I think it makes three guys in particular come to mind. David Robertson, you mentioned. Josh Hader, I feel safer about drafting him for those. And Bradley, as you had mentioned. Yeah, because David Robertson is going to probably end up, if he doesn't get 30 saves, and, and the Phillies beat writers don't think he will. They actually think that it's going to be shared between Robertson and, and Sir Anthony Dominguez. But on days where Robertson doesn't get saves, he'll probably get holds. So he has an opportunity to do something really rare. When's the last time somebody had like 25 of each? I, I can't recall anybody ever doing that. 25 holds and 25 saves. He has a shot to do that. So Ooh, I'm just going to name some, 25. Wow. T- some guys tough. who I think are not closers right now that I think are going to get some saves and a lot of holds. I don't, neither one of us think Cody Allen's going to keep that job. Ty Buttry of the Angels probably gets holds in April and ends up with some saves. Ryan Presley, the Astros is really good, better than people realize. He's going to get a lot of holds. Um, Oakland has Soria to get holds. That should be interesting. Atlanta's got a co-closer committee there. We'll get more into saves next week. This guy, you know, and Minter are both going to get saves, which means the other is going to get holds a lot. Uh, Jeremy Jeffers probably starts the year on the injured list. I don't think Josh Hader is going to get a lot of saves. I think he'll be a holds guy, but obviously you can't draft him for that because he's going in like round 13 or 14, which is frankly ridiculous. Um, Cubs closers, it's not Morrow in April, and it's probably not Pedro Strope. If you want a guy who's just going to get a lot of uh, important innings, Carl Edwards Jr. and Steve Ciszek are your guys. I think Ciszek probably gets saves in early April. They're, they're in a tough days? spot. Yeah, we have to note that the reason you're saying on Strope is the injury. He's also yeah. injured. He's also injured. Joe Kelly, the Dodgers, will probably get a lot of holds. That's I think he's I a top setup at. man for Kenley Jansen. Agreed, yeah. Um, uh, rumors Taylor out Rogers of Giants. Twins. Ro- I love him, Roger the Twins. And rumors out of Giants camp is that they want Mark Melanson to, to close, but he ha- hasn't pitched well, which means like Will Smith could lose closing opportunities. I think Sam Dyson gets a lot of holds this year. He, he pitched well last year. He was a ground ball guy. It's the right ballpark. Since you mentioned that uh, when and, and Spring Stats before, are you concerned about, at all about the performances of guys like Greg Holland and Brad Boxberger? Absolutely. Well, Boxberger's hurt. Um, I think – so that means the season – the start of the season will probably be – was it Peralta, right? Um, Holland probably. just looks awful. Mm-hmm. I think Archie Bradley's their closer and Hirano has to set up. I think they wanted Bradley to set up, but who else could close? Right, right. Greg Holland shouldn't be closing. Uh, Craig Stammen gets a lot of holds, I think, setting up Kirby Yates – a little underrated there, yeah. Um, a guy I really like is Diego Castillo of the Rays, of Leo's Rays, who might end up starting some games for like an inning or so. I think he figures into the save situations as well. I like Jose Alvarado like you do, but I think they want a right-hander getting some saves. I think Castillo would be that guy. Um, my big dark horse holds guy is David Hernandez, and I've got David Hernandez as clearly superior to Jared Hughes in that bullpen. Why? Jared Hughes had a good year. I just think he's a better. I think he has better stuff. All right, let's get one more question in before the uh, hash browns run out. Yeah, we got a little rapid fire over under segment. Just give me one answer that, or one word. That's all I need for these. Garrett Hampson, twenty stolen bases. Over. Over. Lorenzo Kane, forty-three homers plus steals. Over. Yeah, over. Chris Davis, homers or Mondesi stolen bases. Ooh. Mondesi. 
Davis. I feel like we're going to be split on every single Mondesi question, no matter what I put for the numbers. He just has an I'm going to be wrong on that. I, I get it. But the, the, Davis will be over 40, and that's why I'm picking him. Okay. Craig Kimbrough. I'm breaking the rules. 26 saves. Under. Yeah, under. Wow. And- I won't even draft him right now. He's not going to be pitching in April, people. He might have to sit out the season. Nobody wants to pay what he wants. Can't argue with that. I don't know what he's going to do. I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe like if Matt Barnes blows a save on opening day, Boston says, here's $20 million to Kimbrel, But he wouldn't be ready in April. And so... the optics of that look so bad. Hey, it's not the first do. time they've done this. Do you remember the year it's they not. went with the committee? And, you know, there's no reason why Matt Barnes or Ryan Brazier can sa- can't save 30 games. They obviously can. They're good enough to do it. Just because they're not experienced, and mm-hmm. people with this experience stuff is unbelievable. Yes, Kimbrell's better. He's proven. But if Kimbrell is demanding a three- or a four-year deal, go with what you got. Mm-hmm. They're just I, I'm worried about their depth, to be honest. I, it's not those guys. It's the depth. All right. All right, what else? We got one last one here. Better player Raider finish. Patrick Corbin or Walker Bueller? Ooh. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. Bueller. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take Bueller as well. Yeah, I like them both. They're both in our top 20, obviously, for starting pitchers. All right, big weekend coming up in fantasy baseball. Obviously, you don't need to look at the box scores or the stats. It's about injuries. It's about, look, if guy has a big performance, it could mean something to the manager. You know, Kansas City's obviously going to run a lot. But, you know, you want to see who wins these starting jobs. If a guy's an opening day starter, don't read into it too much. But, like, the Royals telling Brad Keller he's their opening day starter – I think it does have meaning. I think they think he can be a like 180 inning guy with a good ERA. I think he's underrated. I'm not taking him in my top 40 starting pitchers, but something to watch. Something to watch. All right. Good vampire final thoughts. What out? What do you got? I was any, just thinking. Any other thoughts here? Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of the the, the strategy for you for Keller. You, you brought it up. He's going to be a two start pitcher in that first period. I mean, I I know everybody is, but you're getting volume. I want, yeah, I want volume. I mean, I'm not even talking about the vampire league. I'm talking in general. I have, I have Keller invested in another, a couple other leagues as well. I, so I got the thing to ask you, Marco Gonzalez. He's See, the, the guy starting opening is, day. He's starting in Japan. Yep. And and then they don't have to use a fourth or fifth starter the first week right away because Gonzalez can start. Gonzalez can literally start game one and game three for Seattle. Correct, and he will. That's the schedule. But he is pitching horribly this spring. I don't know if I care about that. <laughs> he didn't look good but, last night. I'm I'm a little concerned about it. All right. Time to watch college basketball. Thank you so much for listening to our little show. It's Fantasy Focus Baseball. We'll be back on Monday and Thursday every week, hopefully. For Daniel D. Dopp and Kyle Soppy and editorial watchdog Leo Howell, Howell somewhere else, and Tristan eating his pie, I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend. Bueller. Everything is awesome. Mmm, pie. <laughs>